0: One of the things that we see about the Son of Man in Daniel 7 is that He is coming again, and He's coming with the clouds, power, and great glory. Sometimes we underestimate the power of our Lord, the power of Jesus Christ. This is the one that we follow, and even when times get dark, He is the one who's coming to rescue and judge the world. Do you know Him? Well, we're going to learn more about the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in Daniel 7 today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, this scary one that wasn't like any other animal which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron, its claws of bronze. We get a little bit more detail. It had claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with its feet. You can imagine what Daniel saw, just like when John saw the Revelation, the last book of our Bible, and how many weird, freaky images he saw and tried to maybe interpret through the lens of his time. Daniel's seeing the same And so he sees the claws of bronze which devoured, crushed, and trampled down the remainder with with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, the other horn which came up, that little one we saw earlier, and before which three of them fell, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. Okay, so up on the screen, here's the seven um, empires. Remember that... In the the last box that you have there, um, uh, the last box on the right, upper right, the following empires came against Israel while in their land, Daniel's time and future. So we moved from Egypt and Assyria to Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. Okay, we talked about Rome. Um, This is a verse to write down. I'm not gonna get into it tonight, but you can go and look up this message on the website. Um, It's talking about, the end times and how these uh, seven kingdoms line up with Revelation 17, 10, and 11. So that's something just for your review. I'm going to skip that quote. The characteristics of this coming world kingdom um, the fourth kingdom has a second phase. We talked about a revived Roman Empire. The ten toes have a connection to the ten horns. Okay, they'll be ruling at the time of the return of Christ, which we saw in Daniel 7, 13, and 14. And we see the connection between the statue and its feet and the Ancient of Days setting up an everlasting kingdom, that rock that crushes the statue and then the everlasting kingdom that's set up. This is what I wanted to especially put up for those of you who I said I would try to give this to you. This is the seven things I gave you last week. These are going to be the aspects of the final kingdom, seven points. There are going to be 10 kings ruling at this time. They will, at a given point, choose one man to rule over them. This is Revelation 17, 13. Number three, it will be a kingdom at war with the Lamb, Revelation 17, 14, but will be destroyed by him. Number four, he, the Antichrist, will have world dominion. He'll be a dictator over the entire world, Revelation 13, 7. His rule, number five, will include fierce persecution of the saints. There's the verses. It will consist of a religious system, a one world religious system, mandatory worship, or you die. You take the mark. You can't buy or sell. you got to have the mark or you're in trouble. And a one world economic system that goes with the mark of the beast. Okay? I'm going to leave that up there for you guys. But if you take notes while I'm talking, it will be hard to do both. But anyway, I'll leave that up for you um, so you have it. Because I think it's important for you to understand. In verse 20... The Antichrist pictured here is uttering great boasts and he's blaspheming God. And I kept looking, 21, at that horn and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. So there's gonna be a time when this beast wages war with God's people. Who are these people at this time he's waging war with? Well, we know it's going to be Israel. And we know it's going to be the saints. We just ask the question, which saints? Tribulation saints? (laughs) Hopefully saints that don't include moi, right? None of us have a a martyr's complex, right? Hopefully the pre-tribulation rapture view is correct. (laughs) Because if it is, (laughs) if I had a vote, I'm voting for that. But as you know, I don't hold that view. But this is there's room for debate but he's going to make war with the saints and overpower them until keyword 22 the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints now notice there's a coming here and a mention of the ancient of days which is an interesting link to what we saw in 7:13 and 14 to Jesus' coming And judgment was passed in favor of the saints, of the highest one, of God. He's the most high. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. So when that time comes, the Lord is going to judge this final world empire, destroy its leader, cast him into the lake of fire, and give the kingdom to his people. And we will enter into a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. We call the millennial reign of Jesus. And we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And that's when we see all the beauty of that golden age. And peace in all my holy mountain. Let me just show you a highlight of that. Revelation 22. Last chapter of your Bible. Revelation 22. This is so beautiful. And I think we need to remind ourselves over and over of what's ahead. Especially in light of what we go through. Uh, the losses that we suffer, the difficulties that we face. Revelation 22, 1 says, And he showed me, says John, a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There's no fire for God's people. There's just the beauty of living waters. In the middle of its street, Revelation 22, 2 of the New Jerusalem here, and on either side of the river was the tree of life, Bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse. See, this is why we die, because we're under a curse right now. And the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his bondservants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night, and there shall, they shall not have need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illumine them. And they shall reign, what's your Bible say, forever and ever. And he said to me, because these words often seem too good to be true, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants, The things which must shortly take place are the things that will move rapidly once they commence. And so you can see in in verse 20 of the same chapter, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly, amen, our cry, come Lord Jesus. And then he ends it with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, amen. Back to Daniel 7 and we'll finish it. And so this fourth beast continues to be Intriguing and terrifying to Daniel. And Daniel 7.23 says, Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which would, will be different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush, us. crush it. It will be a ferocious anti-God movement. I was listening to KKLA over last weekend, and um, I, I'm trying to remember the, the host's name, but he, he was talking about Uh, church planting in Cuba and uh, there's a story and it's anecdotal so you can take it for what it's worth you check it out on Snopes and you'll get different opinions as whether it's real or not but here's what they say happened either as the military entered into a classroom in Cuba or a teacher did this it may be both what they did is they had the kids pray and ask God for candy and open up their hands and say God please give me candy and nothing was in their hands and then they said, Ask Castro for candy. And they put out their hands, and candy was dropped into the kids' hands. Which is a way of saying, There is no God. Castro's your God. Your government's your God. You see, God can't provide for you what you really need. What you really need is a good government to give you all of your goodies. So. We live in a world today that has largely moved that way, right? How many nations do we see that under socialism have moved that way where the government is the answer to everything? And many times those governments are anti-God. They have to be atheistic to have their government structure work. So I know those of you who are watching the political world right now can see the connection to the United States. And what... What's being fed to our young people about the answers, you know, for our world and health care and whatever else. But just watch out. Do a little bit more homework on socialism and see what it's produced in the world. Bread lines and ugly things. And so notice that the ten horns... Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. We, we, when we studied Revelation, and I've left that up there for you, you can see the connection as you study Revelation 13 and 17. Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. And this is why some see some sort of confederacy of nations, whether it's Europe or Islamic or whatever it is. And another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous one and will subdue three kings. This is why this could be one of the markers that we may not talk about a lot, that there'll be some sort of confederation of nations and one will subdue three and take leadership. You can wrestle with that one, but that may be something to look for in terms of just the world news reports that pop up at this time. And he, this one that we've been looking at in the chapter and in Revelation, will speak out against the Most High, he will begin to blaspheme God. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 it say, says that he will want to elevate himself ab- above every so-called God. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but first... We are entering the holiday season, and more specifically, Thanksgiving, which reminds us of a time of harvest. The Book of Ruth is a tiny gem in scriptures. Its story goes much deeper than we see on the surface, It's a story of loving-kindness, hope, and redemption. Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, and Boaz becomes their redeemer. Looking deeper, the lady's story is our story, and Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. This book will give you hope through the toughest seasons and lead you back to the answer, our God, who is filled with loving-kindness and is our hope. For your donation of $20 or more, we would like to give you a copy of the CD set or DVD by Pastor Michael Lance, Ruth, the Lord of the Harvest. Visit WalkingTruth.com today. That's WalkingTruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walking Truth. And he, this one that we've been looking at in the chapter and in Revelation, will speak out against the Most High you will begin to blaspheme God. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 says that he will want to elevate himself above every so-called God so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself as being God. Paul says, don't you remember when I was with you I was telling you these things? That's why people are keeping an eye on Jerusalem because they're saying if a temple arises, oh boy, fasten your seatbelt. Because the Antichrist apparently is going to go into a rebuilt temple proclaiming that he's God. And by virtue of that, wanting what? The worship and allegiance of the world. You say, is it really going to (laughs) happen? Yes. That's what the Bible teaches. And notice, he is going to, this one is going to blaspheme God. So anybody who serves God, of course, is going to be Uh, you know, within his scope. Wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law. And they, the saints in context, will be given into his hand, the Antichrist, for a time, times, and a half a time. Can I save you a lot of study time? Just write in your Bible three and a half years. (laughs) Because I think... As you cross-reference to Daniel 9.27, which is ahead of us, Daniel 12.7, Revelation 11.2 and 3, and 13.5, I'll say it one more time, Daniel 9.27, 12.7, Revelation 11.2 and 3, and Revelation 13.5, I think you'll find that there's a final seven-year period in two, three-and-a-half-year stents, if you will, and you can start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. How does the picture end up working out? Well, we're, we're seeing it pieced together, and that's why Daniel is so important in our study of uh, end times. And so they will be given into his hand, but for a certain segment of time, namely three and a half years. But the court will sit for judgment. His dominion, this last leader, will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed Forever. And whoever the saints are at that time, what do you think their prayer will be? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In fact, the prayer that we've been taught to pray for some 2,000 years, how hard do you think people on the planet who know Jesus will be praying that prayer at that time? Consider the world conditions. Consider the time and say, you know what? We'll be praying for for the king to come. Whoever is here, and whoever these saints are. Then the sovereignty, so this Antichrist will be annihilated, destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Do you see over and over what Daniel comes back to. He says, hey, do you know something? If you're part of God's people, you are on the winning team. Ultimately, his kingdom is going to last forever and never be destroyed. And I belong to him and I will rule and reign with my Savior. And it's amazing to me to think that that's the privileged position that he's put me in, but that's what he's done for all of us. And so... At this point, Daniel says, the revelation ended. You ever had one of those? (sighs) As for me, Daniel says, my thoughts were greatly alarming me. My face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. ESV, I kept the matter in my heart. Sounds like he didn't reveal it to others right away. Uh, He pondered it, and he had a lot to think about. And I can't help but think of Mary when, she was told about the coming of the Messiah and the shepherds come to the place that the child was born and it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And then in the temple scene, or when Jesus says, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house as they looked for him? He went down with them. Luke 2.51 came to Nazareth. He continued in subjection to them and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. That's what Daniel did after that incredible vision in Daniel 7. He pondered these things in his heart. So let me just ask you, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for sure? Do you know how to get your name in that book? It's simple. You must trust in Jesus Christ as your King, as your Lord, as your Savior. And if you trust in Him, Put your faith in his finished work, in his love for you, the fact that love and justice meet at the cross, and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you, I'm going to serve you. I want my name in the book of life. What's the opposite of a book of life? One day I called my sister and I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm having a bowl of life cereal. Or maybe I said it to her, and she said, better than a bowl of death. How many of you like life cereal? It's good, isn't it? Cinnamon life? Oh, yeah. In fact, I might go home and, I don't know. Anyway, do you have life? You know, as a young Christian, I heard other Christians talking about the abundant life. Anybody else? And for a while, I was wondering what the abundant life was because I wasn't experiencing it. I had become a Christian But I was battling my old ways, compromise, the flesh, the world, all that stuff, the devil. And it took a while until I realized what abundant life looked like. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm I'm telling you this. Please always remember this. There's going to be a time that's coming to this world and it may come to your life prior to all this end time stuff where the world's kingdom and the devil's lie sounds much easier and much more attractive. Anybody? Sometimes it does. Let's face it. Sometimes even after we've been a Christian for a long time, we go, man, it's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy swimming against the tide. It's not easy anchoring myself to these promises consistently and walking and doing what I'm supposed to do. But here's what Jesus said. I've come to give you abundant life. Have you forgotten what your life was like prior to coming to Jesus? Oh, yeah, well, some of it was all right. Yeah. For an hour or two. (laughs) Right? If you're in the book of life, you have life. And that more abundantly. And that life is gonna get better. The best is yet to come. Oh, we're going to have some bumps and tough sledding here in this world. Yeah, it's true. But we're part of an everlasting kingdom that's filled with life. And we have people in our world all around us. They're already dead in in their sins and trespasses. And you know what you have? Good news to share of life. And a lot of people that won't admit it to you, that you work with or, or in your family, they need life and they'd like to know how to find it. And we have it to give away. Good news of great joy. Father, thank you so much for the book of Daniel. Thank you for this powerful chapter. Thank you for the precious people of God, the saints of the Most High, who, whose names are recorded in heaven. And I remember the apostles came back to you. They were excited because Demons were even subject to them in your name. And you said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. And among the 12, there was a pretender. His name was Judas, and he didn't have life. He was a phony. He was a hypocrite. And the other 11, as imperfect as they were, as much as they fought and struggled and had their moments, they had life because you are life. And Lord, we just want to take a few moments here just to have some Selah time to think about what life really means. You are the bread of life, the water of life, the way, the truth, and the life. Life comes from you. You're the sustainer of life. You are the prince of life. And I thank you so much that you've imparted life to us. And that more abundantly. New life in Christ. Born again to a living hope. If you're not a Christian with your head and heart bowed, just cry out to him and just say, Lord, I want to know that life. I I believe you came into this world and died on that cross for me. Though you were the king of heaven, you made that sacrifice. You, you became one of us. You became a man. Thank you that you suffered from me on that cross. Thank you that you defeated death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I believe. I trust you. Maybe you've been a, a wanderer. Maybe you've been a prodigal. And, and the abundant life has not been your experience lately because you've been in compromise. Maybe you've been defeated. Maybe you've been just scared. How about you just say, Lord, just impart that life to me. I just want to be close to you again. And Lord, for the saints of the Most High God who are here just trying to fight the good fight and grow and anchor themselves in that one who is the true life, I pray that you'd bless them. Keep them, let your blessed face shine upon them and give them strength and hope in every area of their lives. Permeate them with joy, the joy of the Spirit, the love of God, all that they need, Lord. Pour it out for them tonight, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Hey guys, it's incredible that we're entering the holiday season now, coming up on Thanksgiving. It really makes you think of the time of the harvest. And we have a wonderful product to offer to you as a thank you for a donation of $20 or more to the ongoing ministry of Walk in Truth. It's called Lord of the Harvest. It's a teaching through the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, the story of Ruth, is more than just what you see on the surface. It's really a story of loving kindness, hope, and redemption, as Naomi and Ruth face some of life's biggest challenges, but meet a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. When we look a little deeper, their story is our story, And Boaz is a picture of our ultimate redeemer, Jesus Christ. I would love to get this product into your hands. Go to our website at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH and we'll get this product in your hands. And for a donation of $20 or more, you'll be helping us reach more people and reach out with God's truth this holiday season. We appreciate it. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.